Chapter Twenty Four of *The Nest of the Sparrowhawk* by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. November the second, a dreary day with a leaden sky overhead and the monotonous patter of incessant rain against the window panes sir marmaduke de chavas had just come downstairs and opening the door which led from the hall to the small withdrawing-room on the right he saw mistress de chavas half sitting half crouching in one of the stiff-backed chairs which she had drawn close to the fire there was a cheerful blaze on the hearth and the room itself being small always looked cosier than any other at acol court nevertheless editha's face was pallid and drawn and she stared into the fire with eyes which seemed aglow with anxiety and even with fear her cloak was tied loosely about her shoulders and at sight of sir marmaduke she started then rising hurriedly she put her hood over her head and went towards the door ah my dear editha quoth her brother-in-law lightly greeting her up betimes like the lark i see are you going without he added as she made a rapid movement to brush past him and once more made for the door yes she replied dully i must fain move about tire myself out if i can i am consumed with anxiety indeed he retorted blandly why should you be anxious everything is going splendidly and to-night at the latest a fortune of nigh on five hundred thousand pounds will be placed in my hands by a fond and adoring woman he caught the glitter in her eyes that suggestion of power and of unspoken threats which she had adopted since the episode in the bath street house for an instant an ugly frown further disfigured his sour face but this frown was only momentary it soon gave way to a suave smile he took her hand and lightly touched it with his lips after which my dear editha he said i shall be able to fulfil those obligations which my heart originally dictated she seemed satisfied at this assurance for she now spoke in less aggressive tones are you so sure of the girl marmaduke she asked absolutely he replied his thoughts reverting to a day spent at dover nearly three months ago when a knot was tied of which fair editha was not aware but which rendered sir marmaduke de chavas very sure of a fortune yet you have oft told me that sue's love for her mysterious prince had vastly cooled of late urged editha still anxiously why yes forsooth he retorted grimly sue's sentimental fancy for the romantic exile hath gone the way of all such unreasoning attachments but she has ventured too far to draw back and she will not draw back he concluded significantly have a care marmaduke the girl is more wilful than ye wot of you may strain at a cord until it snap pshaw he said 
with a shrug of his wide shoulders you are suffering from vapours my dear editha or you would grant me more knowledge of how to conduct mine own affairs do you remember perchance that the bulk of sue's fortune will be handed over to her this day ay i remember begad then to-night i'll have that bulk out of her hands you may take an oath on that he declared savagely and afterwards she asked simply afterwards yes afterwards when sue has discovered how she has been tricked are you not afraid of what she might do even though her money may pass into your hands even though you may inveigle her into a clandestine marriage she is still the daughter of the late earl of dover she has landed estates wealth rich and powerful relations there must be an afterwards remember his ironical laugh grated on her nerves as he replied lightly pshaw my dear editha of a truth you are not your own calm self to-day else you had understood that forsooth in the love affairs of prince amade de orleans and lady susanna aldmarsh there must be and can be no afterwards i don't understand you yet tis simple enough sue is my wife your wife she exclaimed hush and you want to scream i pray you question me not for what i say is bound to startle you sue is my wife i married her having obtained a special license to do so in the name of prince amade henry de orleans and all the rest of the romantic paraphernalia she is my wife and therefore her money and fortune are mine every penny of it without question or demur she will appeal to the court to have the marriage annulled she'll rouse public indignation against you to such a pitch that you'll not be able to look one of your kith and kin in the face the whole shameful story of the mysterious french prince your tricks to win the hand of your ward by lying cheating and wilful deceit will resound from one end of the country to the other what is the use of a mint of money if you have to herd with outcasts and not an honest man will shake you by the hand none my dear editha none he replied quietly and tis of still less use for you to rack your nerves in order to place before me a gruesome picture of the miserable social pariah which i should become if the story of my impersonation of a romantic exile for the purpose of capturing the hand of my ward came to the ears of those in authority whither it doubtless would come she affirmed hotly whither it doubtless would come he assented and therefore my dear editha once the money is safely in my hands i will leave her royal highness the princess de orleans in full possession not only of her landed estates but of the freedom conferred on her by widowhood for prince amade her husband will vanish like the beautiful dream which he always was but how how she reiterated puzzled anxious scenting some nefarious scheme more unavowable even than the last 
ah time will show but he will vanish my dear editha take my word on it shall we say that he will fly up into the clouds and her highness the princess will know him no more then why have married her she exclaimed some womanly instinct within her crying out against this outrage twas cruel and unnecessary he shrugged his shoulders cruel perhaps but surely no more than necessary i doubt if she would have entrusted her fortune to any one but her husband had she ceased to trust her romantic prince then perhaps at any rate i chose to make sure of the prize i have worked hard to get it and would not fail for lack of a simple ceremony moreover 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 my dear editha there is always the possibility remote no doubt but nevertheless tangible that at some time or other soon or late who knows the little deception practised on lady sue may come to the light of day in that case even if the marriage be annulled on the ground of fraud which methinks is more than doubtful no one could deny my right as the heiress's hum, shall we say temporary husband to dispose of her wealth as i thought fit if i am to become a pariah and an outcast as you so eloquently suggested just now i much prefer being a rich one with half a million in the pocket of my doublet the whole world is open to me there was so much cool calculation such callous contempt for the feelings and thoughts of the unfortunate girl whom he had so terribly wronged in this expose of the situation that mistress de chavas herself was conscious of a sense of repulsion from the man whom she had aided hitherto she believed that she held him sufficiently in her power through her knowledge of his schemes and through the help which she was rendering him to extract a promise from him that he would share his ill-gotten spoils in equal portions with her at one time after the fracas in bath street he had even given her a vague promise of marriage therefore he had kept secret from her the relation of that day spent at dover now she felt that even if he were free she would never consent to link her future irretrievably with his but her share of the money she meant to have she was tired of poverty tired of planning and scheming of debt and humiliation she was tired of her life of dependence at acolt court and felt a sufficiency of youth and buoyancy in herself yet to enjoy a final decade of luxury and amusement in london therefore she closed her ears to every call of conscience she shut her heart against the lonely young girl who so sadly needed the counsels and protections of a good woman and she was quite ready to lend a helping hand to sir marmaduke at least until a goodly share of lady sue's fortune was safely within her grasp one point occurred to her now which caused her to ask anxiously have you not made your reckonings without richard lambert marmaduke he is back in these parts you know ah he ejaculated 
with a quick scowl of impatience he has returned yes charity was my informant he looks very ill so the wench says he has been down with fever it appears all the while that he was in prison and was only discharged because they feared that he would die he contrived to work or beg his way back here and now he is staying in the village i thought you would have heard no i never speak to the old woman and adam lambert avoids me as he would the plague i see as little of them as i can i had to be prudent these last final days heaven grant he may do nothing fatal to-day she murmured nay my dear editha he retorted with a harsh laugh tis scarcely heaven's business to look after our schemes but lambert can do us very little harm now for his own sake he will keep out of sue's way at what hour does master skiffington arrive in half an hour then as he saw that she was putting into effect her former resolve of going out despite the rain and was once more readjusting her hood for that purpose he opened the door for her and whispered as he followed her out and you will follow me my dear editha i'll accompany you on your walk we might push on down the canterbury road and perhaps meet master skiffington i understand that sue has been asking for me and i would prefer to meet her as seldom as possible just now this is my last day he concluded with a laugh and i must be doubly careful End of chapter twenty four